0: No question about that. It's supported by you, our listeners, through patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod, where you can get access to our weekly ad-free bonus episode talking about football around the Premier League and Europe. Righty, well, that was fun, wasn't it, Tom? Uh, Newcastle one, United one, bit of shambles.
1: Yeah, fun isn't the word that I would use to describe it. It was very emotional in, in a in a angry sense. I was getting very angry in that first half, and when I saw Gary, <laughs> yeah. Neb- I don't know if you saw Gary Number but half time, but he was looking Missed exactly him. like me. He was looking like I am very angry, but I'm trying not to release that anger right now. <laughs> That was how I yeah. felt, and then maybe got a bit like that in the second half a little bit too.
0: Yeah, I mean, a range of emotions of this one. Mostly just kind of bemused. But anyway, <laughs> before before we get into it, I thought we should probably introduce you, shouldn't we? Because uh, there's a random Tom join the show. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, I know, because I am the, the the left field choice of, of these three legends. I feel like the, the classic Andy Teddy quite really recommended by what is it recommended by a legend who? Uh, uh, no, technicality. I'm a technicality when we legendary recommended you. <laughs>
0: you got, got the job on yeah, technicality. you have yeah. legendary recommended you. <laughs> Le- the
1: legend being being Paul, I'm um, kind of Paul's recommendation, really. Me and him are good friends. And yeah, I've been a United fan for basically since the day I was born because I was indoctrinated by my father. But I've never really written about good United job. online. I haven't ever written about United online. I'm, I'm a football writer. I've been writing for about 11 years. For Few big publications, but I mostly write on Eastern European and Hungarian football. I am British yep. and I grew up over here in England, but I was kind of indoctrinated again by my grandfather this time to be very much into Hungarian football and Hungarian society. And he came over to England in in the revolution in the fifties for for the history fans out there. And yeah, when I was growing up, I spent a lot of time with him. I was very close to him. And right. uh, yeah, when he died, I kind of. Took on the mantle of the Hungarianism basically, and I got really, really into it, and and built up a following, and and became more obsessed and obsessed. And um, I've covered Hungary for for a few big publications, like I say, for for the Guardian, ESPN, Independent, right. and stuff. And we have our own podcast, but to be able to talk about United on a, on a consistent basis is really exciting for me. And um, yeah. I'm grateful to, to great. you for giving me the,
0: the chance. Gr- great, great to have you here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. really good fun. Yeah, I've been listening to your football, uh, your podcast on Hungarian football. It's, uh, it's good stuff, you know. I mean, I like not that I follow Hungarian football. I think I made one joke on Twitter about um, Ferenc Varas winning the title when Liverpool had stormed away with it. Uh, you know, congratulating them on... Because uh, <laughs> I was like not going to talk about Liverpool. <laughs> anyway... Um, yeah, good to good to have you here. I mean, at least we have got some football to talk about because mm-hmm. had Wayne on last week and uh, there wasn't any games. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure this was very good. Or what? What were your thoughts on the the lineup? Because I, I looked at that sort of ran in and thought, okay, you know, didn't didn't know that Lindelof had had COVID, which is why he was out, and kind of, I was wondering whether you know Verani coming for the right um, the right centre back, but. Uh, I guess there weren't many other options.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the one for me, apart from maybe Vran coming in, I thought, thought Rashford for Sancho was, would have been my preferred choice. I, I don't really know what Rashford's kind of shown to, to be the man to go in out of Sancho. I know Sancho has not been amazing yeah. since coming to us, but I thought he was a, a Randnick player, actually. I thought Randnick could really like what he gets from Sancho and I thought maybe he'd, he'd try and become his uh, little, the teacher's pet in, in a way, because I thought he'd probably be the United player to get Ranjik most. So I was a little bit surprised with that, maybe just rotation or, or whatever it was the reason for that. But I think apart from that, I couldn't really argue, have any qualms with um, for the rest of the lineup. And I was quite excited to see Varane in, in the lineup as well. But um, yeah, I think that excitement dissipated quite quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, how many minutes did it take for him to uh, turn into an actual comedy of a defender? Yeah, I, I mean, well, I'm going to blame that on uh, him being a bit rusty. Mm, he looked um, rusty. And, uh, yeah, the first huge mistake. Yeah, led to Newcastle goal. But yeah, mm. I, on the lineup, yeah, I, I kind of I tend to agree with you on Sancho. I thought he'd looked um, reasonably bright in the, the last couple of games before uh, before the enforced break, and Rashford's been out. So I mean, like, I don't want to jump on the pylon because there's enough of that online. But um, he's been out of sorts for an awful long time now, Rashford. And, uh, you know, I, I guess they're just you know, trying to get him game time. But sticking him out on the right, Bruno on the left, that first half, it just felt imbalanced. And and neither of Fred and McTominay could get the ball forward. So United were just all over the place. And then allowing Newcastle to break at will. And it caused a lot of problems. Yeah. I just,
1: I know um, it's Rand Nick's preferred style and it's the preferred style at most of the Red Bull sister. But I mean like Red Bull clubs are very flexible with the with the way that they play and like at Salzburg and Leipzig. Um, and Randick has been quite flexible in the past. So I don't I don't I know it's very, very early days. I'm not going to criticise him at all at this stage, but to to play that system, it just doesn't look like it's going to suit our our players and and the players yeah, the players that we have. And it showed again today that we, we are struggling with it, both in an attacking sense and in a defensive sense. Because like you say, Newcastle just broke at will. And there were no patterns to our well play, especially in the first half. In the second, it was a little yeah. bit more noticeable. Kind of the, the fullbacks were pushed up really, really high. The centre-half kind of could come through the middle. But I, I, I think time will tell with this. Like Gary Neville, again, before the game was kind of talking about um, he he was thinking, oh, it might be a, a four-two-three-one or something, or a four-three-three. Three. But it seems like he might persist with it a little bit. And, and like I said, I'm not going to jump on Ranit's back at all. But it, it's interesting that he is kind of sticking to this this style at the moment.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really clear uh, after I can't remember which game now. Maybe the Norwich game when he talked about it. About the the need for more control in midfield. I mean, it's true. McFred in there, there is no control, so he, he's pushing players inside to try and crowd out the centre of midfield. Uh, you know, the trade-off there is it's it's a system that you can defend against. You know, you just keep narrow, don't you? And and it just relies on Dallo and Teles in this case getting forward, um, down the wings. And you know, in the second half when Bruno dropped back into midfield, I could kind of understand that because at least you get some progressive passing. I mean, it's a risk, isn't it? Because he gives the ball away. And, and also a risk because he's United's most creative player. And the further away he is from the attackers, then the fewer big chances he's going to create. And he still creates, even though he's probably had a quieter season than last season, he still creates a lot of big chances.
1: Yeah, and I mean, in a defensive um, sense as well, like the, um, his lack of discipline is, is a problem if you're playing him in a, in a two. And then especially when Matic comes on, he, what, is Bruno kind of playing in a one and a half?
0: Or what? Or like, I know, I, I saw that. And I was God. Kind Jeez, of, I didn't really. Understand. I mean, talk about the soft underbelly of a midfield. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But like you say, from a from a on the ball perspective, it did make sense, and I think it did help a little bit. And and you talk about kind of relying on Telez and and Dalo in in those positions, and that was where kind of our two biggest chances actually came from in this game. Like Teles played that great ball over to Cavani. I think a Cavani, a better, sharper Cavani, would have scored that one. We kind of took it with his left. It looked like he should have taken it with his right, and obviously the goal came from that great ball and from Dalot to to Cavani, and he would have never got that yeah. with Wamba Saka. So I, he kind of, I'm quite happy with the full-backs at the moment. Like are kind of two, yeah. I, two look, I think they
0: both kind of earned their place, haven't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. Um, I'm especially Delo, Del, Delo? i especially Dalot. 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 I was. I, I never. <laughs> Portuguese. Yeah, is not I don't good. know either. I think I think I think Jose might have called him Delot. Okay. So yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, he's definitely earned a chance. Mm-hmm. Or or Juan did didn't earn the undroppable status that he appeared to have. <laughs> so I mean especially after his his defending went this season. And then on the other side, yeah, Teles, um, it I mean Shaw's just had this post post Euro twenty twenty hangover for the whole season and then got himself concussed. Yeah. Like, so, so many England players,
1: uh, to be honest. Like, there's so many England players that that's happened to. They're just all, completely all of dropped them off. All Rice. I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. United could really do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. No, he'd be, yeah. He'd be the perfect. There was one point, that I was at the opinion, and this is probably off-putting to basically anyone who listens to this, but I was of the opinion that McTominay was as good as Rice. But then this season, I have revised that opinion and tried to erase it all from the internet where I maybe... Spouted that awful opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah, <well>, I know. <laughs> the, the uh, there was, I think it was on the Talk of the Devils podcast. Andy Mitton said something along the lines of "never be definitive in any opinions." Yep. Um. The thing he would learned <laughs> was to never be definitive in any opinions, and you know that's fine, but it it, it, it can be less interesting that way. <laughs> and I don't know. I've le- I've learned from um you know painful experience never to be definitive in opinions because yep. <laughs> I've done that a few times, and if you're it's spoken word or written, it lives forever. It does on live forever. Internet. And people will find it. Let you forget it. But... Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, anyway, yeah, McTominay, is a strange player because, uh, like, when he came into the side a few years back, uh, when his manager's player was <laughs> season, I just thought the thing that he really missed was some progression in his passing. If he could just, he's got the energy, he's not a natural defender, but he can do it. And if he could only pass the ball better he would be the kind of all-rounder that you would need. And and there were times where I thought he, he was bringing that to his game, but it just seems to have regressed and he just doesn't have the confidence. And sometimes I just, I even feel like he kind of deliberately hides himself. He puts himself in positions on the pitch where he's, you know, he's just not in a passing lane. Um, f- and he's smart enough to know that. And I just don't think he wants the ball. I
1: feel like you could be talking about almost any player that played today by saying that. Because our passing today was so bad. It was so bad. Especially in the first half. And, and they do this. We've got so yeah. many hiders. And Gary Neville again. I keep bringing Gary Neville. I'm not going to do this every week. Promise. But he was talking at half time. we just got so many winches as well. He's calling us the winch club or whatever. We have like that first half. It looked like yeah, no yeah. one had been practicing passing, and has been practicing like moaning at each other. And
0: yeah, <laughs> I mean Ronaldo, oh, especially, oh. he was really losing. He's like that every? So there, there was one stage in the second half, I think, where he took a swing and and yes, missed. That was bad. And it, uh, Fortunately, he missed because it was a real wild. It was like a um, wild go at it. And it. Yeah, he got a yellow card for it, which was probably unlucky in a sense because he didn't actually touch yeah, it a, was, the yeah. fella. but but. You know, along with the whinging, the pointing, the gesticulating, the arm flapping, which he's very good at arm flapping, world class flapping. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, he he just really he really seemed to be losing it. And we know Bruno likes a whinge as well, and it, it kinda of seems to percolate her the side and um so yeah. yeah, perhaps more leadership, less whinging would be good. And I, I don't know whether Rangit will be able to work this one out. It's you know, whether the personality like issues within the dressing room are, are too much and that's part of the culture of that Solskjaer built or left.
1: He was amazing that, like, for all of Ollie's faults, and there were many, his dressing room management was impeccable. Not, not this season, but before, before this season it was impeccable. And now we just don't look like a collective in terms of tactical sense and also personality yeah. sense. They just look like lads who've just been found on a Sunday morning and you just chucked onto the pitch with no training. And that's kind of just been, obviously that da- it was a downfall forward balling, but this is going to, I think it's going to be really tough for Emmanuel to turn this around that, like, and, and obviously he hasn't had the massive experience of being a big, a, a massive club, his biggest club he was at was Schalke and He took them over halfway through the season. I think he ended up finishing runners-up to Bayern Munich. So he's obviously got a little bit of form, but is not comparable to Man United. So it's very tough from a, like I say tactical perspective to come in halfway through the season when the team have no attacking pattern to them and haven't for, well, since Van Hals left, probably had a very, very boring pattern of football. And now he's got to also rescue the personality, which of the squad which is yeah. in a collective mess,
0: it it's a huge challenge for him i mean he obviously has a a sense of what he wants to create in terms of the identity and whether that's the red ball identity or the ragnarik one you know or some blend of that uh, you know i can't fault him for wanting that but because it was clear that that was missing and you know as you say both Mourinho and and Solskjaer were sort of hey lads go out and play and and uh, Mourinho focused on the defensive side of the coaching and Solskjaer seemed to focus on neither the attacking or the <laughs> defensive side of the coaching, which was, you know, mine the fault. <laughs> uh, Ragnik at least has a clear idea. And it, so that's great. It, it's just he's coming, he's been dropped in. He's he's going to try and apply it really quickly. And he's not had a lot of time and he won't get a lot of time. Carrington was closed for a week. So this, this 16 days without playing were not, yeah, you know, it's not really time he's been able to focus on anything. There's a, I think the the um the headline figure was nineteen COVID cases throughout the club. No no one would say for obvious reasons who. And then Lindelof on top of that. And uh you know, so there's there's a lot of caveats there in terms of what he's had to work with. There are a couple of free week well, midweeks before the Champions League kicks off again in mid February, but there's the Brighton the Brentford game to squeeze in somewhere. Whether they'll be able to do that, I don't know. Um, so he's not going to get a lot of time. And and um, I think you said it before we started recording, but but it was true of Tuchel last season. I mean, he had a lot of success in the end, but it didn't come immediately. It wasn't, you know, hey, he turns up and uh, you can immediately see what the pattern of um, the style was. I mean, he, he focused on just getting the defence right, which uh, Ragnick seems to have focused on something different which was, you know, trying to create a structure in midfield that United can get a foothold in games. Yes. Um and today didn't really have a foothold. I mean a lot of possession. I mean I think it's it's well over sixty percent possession. But seventy percent possession, just looking at it here, but it's what you do with that that counts and and given the the kind of structure of you know, how United played in that first half crate hardly anything, a bit more in the second, but there was there was a bit of better balance mm-hmm. to it, I think, after Cavani and Sancho came on. So it's yeah. He's look he's got a rambly way of saying he's got a really hard job on here and, and there's no obvious solutions and uh, you know, I, I I guess I guess we've all got opinions that we flout on Twitter about this one. Yeah, we've all got an easy fix, haven't we? But the truth is there isn't.
1: Yeah, and and this kind of this it feels like the first few, like the, the building blocks of a film, like the f- first like shots of a film, because this is supposed to be the United, well, seemingly going to be the United way for, for a very long time. If, if kind of what we're led to believe that Randy's going to take over as this, well, like, whether. They're talking about consulting at the moment, but you're hoping it's going to be a director of football and he's going to be kind of given all this power to change the bureaucratic and political Man United from their old ways. But it, he's he needs to get the results to, to have that buy-in not from, not only from, from the bureaucrats, the United and, and, and all the, you know, the people above him, but also from the fans as well, because. Are the fans really going to be massively behind him if this kind of season just tods along to be a very very average season? Obviously, well, I'm talking hypothetically massive in here, and, and it's very very early days, and I'm not going to draw any conclusions. But I'm hoping that this is this is the new United because I got really excited when when we had Brandt and it felt like a really really smart yeah. move for United. Which, if you think throughout the time since. Woodward's been there we've not made very very many smart moves at all but we count them on one hand and this felt like a very very significant and modern choice and I'm kind of desperate for it to work to be honest because it feels like it could be the start of a new United because we have obviously regressed massively and become a bit of a joke to, to all the clubs whereas it seems like it could be I'm desperate for it to work as well
0: yeah and and you know, I as much as today was a bit of a shambles, and and the the system felt like a mess, which is partly down to Ragnick and partly down to the players and partly down to the lack of coaching time, I imagine. Um, yeah, I absolutely was excited. Uh, United went from being the baddies to being a hipster club. Finally, yes. you know, I mean, yeah, no, not quite, <laughs> but <laughs> like it's he he's he. Even if he's not worked at a, a super club before, right, Nick, he's got an impressive CV in what he's done in terms of, of building teams and clubs, whether in a sort of more management position or and coaching position or a, sort of the director of football position. So, you know, I just, I just think that all augurs well for, Yeah, you know, one, I imagine the, the sort of proxy war between Arnold and Woodward over who is having power at the club has been won by Arnold. He, he is the man taking over, and he at least... So, you know, the word on the street is is that he is prepared to put people who are specialists in specialist positions, you know, which is what Edward Wood was never prepared to do in his eight years as... Revolutionary you know, idea, really. vice chairman. <laughs> I know, it's shocking, isn't it? You know, invented by Henry Ford. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's... Uh, uh, I mean... And and if he's prepared to do that and he's prepared to have Ragnik right, either as a, a coach or a director of football or some somewhere in between, you know, who knows? Um, great. Um it, it's it all goes well for a more positive future, a club that's got these vast resources and if only they'd apply them in a smart way, mm-hmm. then they're gonna get more out of it. And it's the thing I never understood about the Glazers, you know, for all their sort of penny pinching in the early years, they've they've spent Huge amounts of money, or the club has spent huge amounts of money, which they have signed off on um, since Ferguson left. yeah billion, billion pounds, something like that and and so much of that wasted just through dumb decision making. So if this is, if this is a club finally getting smart, then then um, it, it bodes well for the future. The, the problem is, of course, that you know there's an immediate need, and there's one place in the Champions League and four clubs fighting for it. Uh, it seems, anyway, United, Arsenal, Tottenham, West Ham, maybe there's another comes in there. But uh, so, you know, immediate results and performances are also needed and that's just the, the really hard thing to pull out.
1: It's a good point about the Glazers as well, because I'm a, I'm a big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan and and for years and years, Tampa Bay have just been that dreadful, pretty much as since I've been right. supporting them. Um, actually, for the f- first couple of years, we actually won the Super Bowl, I say, well, like, I'm, <laughs> we actually won the Super Bowl. <laughs>
0: You've been indoctrinated. Yeah, you know, I've never
1: been indoctrinated. into so that, that was my own fault. I, mean, I can't, can't blame any family members for that, but, but, but it's, it was the same way at Tampa Bay. They were just ran terribly and terribly. And then obviously two years ago, they signed Tom Brady and then Glaze, I think it's Joel. I can't remember who it is. He's the kind of the main guy for Tampa Bay. Right. I think it might be, I think it is Joel as well. And he was saying, oh yeah, as a Glazer family, we're winners and I'm thinking, I've never, never seen this at United, like this mentality. And I don't know if there's maybe been a mentality switch at that club, um, because they have to be turned into or, or like a force. And, right. and, and Tom Brady has obviously led that to, to them becoming this, this super team, essentially in the league. And it's yeah, Tampa yeah. Bay have never had that, even when they bought the Super Bowl, it was kind of out of nowhere. Whereas now they're... Being like turning into a proper club, and I'm hoping that maybe that uh, that success rubs off on the Glazers a little bit and then maybe changes their mind. I mean, obviously, I'm no Glazer fan at all, but I mean, we're stuck with them, so it'll be nice if they actually maybe change their mentality a little bit. And we were like, actually, why don't we actually do this properly and look at other clubs and yeah, and and maybe get the right people in because it isn't a revolutionary idea and if people like us and people on Twitter and I mean, it's smart people on Twitter are pointing out these things like that we get a director of football in uh, who actually knows the game, I think they would be able to sort it out like, because they have a lot of money and they have a lot of access to intelligent people. Come on. It's not that difficult.
0: I, 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 it's the bonkers thing about United that, you know, all this, all these resources, just so much money available and because of the commercial operation, even, even if that bit's, uh, you know, getting into a different conversation, even if that bit's flat or in fact declining in, in some sense over the last five, six years, there's still lots and lots of money that can be applied to this. They can still take their dividends out and United can be successful okay. if you only, only structure the club in the way that every other elite club in Europe, yeah. that's it. And I mean, I, I guess that brings a, the conversation full circle because you know that is the thing that Rangnick has been so successful yeah. at. And you know, is the, I, I find him a really interesting personality because he said in the press conference—was it the one for this game or the one before that—that that, that he wants to be a coach. He sees himself as a coach, and that's what he wants to do. But there, you know, there, there's been a lot of um, sort of commentary about Rangnick actually not dealing that well with the pressure, yeah. and that's one of the reasons where he why he never really. Kind of consistently coached over the last ten years. I mean, I think he's had two seasons as a full-time coach in the last ten, and perhaps didn't ever make that leap to one of the elite clubs or take over Bayern, you know, which is the the kind of natural step if you're the the best coach yeah. in the the country. And and despite having all these disciples, he, he never actually became that sort of a elite manager. And what we'll, you know, we'll we'll see, we'll see where he lies, whether he's coaching and um, which which you kind of feel you look at this team. And you go, especially under Solskjaer, they need that and it's just like a complete one eighty, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and and that again coming back to the theme, it's gonna take time.
1: Yeah, and, and again it goes back to also the problems of the structure of the football club when you're going when you're hopping from manager to manager, this these teething problems are gonna be big teething problems. They're gonna take weeks and months to to, to sort out because you are hopping from a manager and you in Oli, who obviously, yeah, like I said, he was good at Jesse room atmosphere management, if that even is a thing, but it seems to, he would seem to be good at it anyway. Vibes. Vibes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Yeah. you're you always used to say, he is great at vibes, but I feel like he doesn't have a, like the, ta- he obviously doesn't have the tactical now to be a, an elite manager. And then you jump to a, a, a complete, almost like a theorist in many respects, like a Bielsa, because he, he has obviously these these grandiose ideas, and obviously his his type of football and his style of football is as impactful as as Bielsa's style of football has been on European football. Maybe even more so, to be honest. Um, well, maybe that's going a bit far, but this it's, it's up there, or at least level. And yeah, to go from that switch from from Oli to that is is huge, and it's going to take ages. And but it's also going to be very interesting to see. A little bit, I, I've, I, I've, I find the Bills comparison quite, quite good. I know Bills obviously is a coach first and foremost, but he also, he does take the kind of the, the smaller jobs and he likes a project. Whereas this project for Ranik is a lot different to any kind of projects he's ever undertaken. And it's, yeah, it's going to be very exciting to see how it turns out if it does turn out in the right way, but
0: right. Yeah. I mean, certainly a punt by the club. Uh, Anyway, I mean, we saw some. We saw some of it in the second half, didn't we? Because he immediately made that change, pulled off Fred, who was just dreadful. I mean, um, it's. I know it's a running theme with Fred, but uh, the man can't play a five-yard pass. Yeah, five-yard sidewards pass, which is his pass of choice. Still can't get that one right. I mean, yeah, the energy, all all very good, runs around, great. But uh, yeah, anyway, pulled him off. <laughs> Dropped Bruno into D position and put Rashford sort of left and then and Sancho right. Um, when did Cavani come on? A bit later? In the no, right?
1: half-time as well.
0: Half-time, yeah, yeah, half-time. I, I right.
1: thought, is he going to send Ronaldo off then at half-time? Ball move, but he didn't obviously. Right,
0: Greenwood went off at half-time, yeah. Yeah. So it created a bit more balance, didn't it? And and especially with Cavani, uh, uh, you know, we, um, we were talking earlier about Ronaldo and, and his movement and... It's just I think light and day compared to Cavani, um, who I, again we haven't seen enough of this season because of injuries, because of going home, because of whatever. But just uh, you know, his movement made the goal as much as Bruno's crossfield pass create the space and Dallo's excellent pullback. I mean, it's Cavani's sort of J shaped run that's got him got him that, You know, two or three yards of space there.
1: I love his personality as um, well. Like I, I I kind of expected yeah. him to. When, when, probably when he first came, I kind of feel like every game we get that same Holger from him, but I kind of expect him when we first signed him, um, and, and, obviously everyone was calling him or panic signing and all that kind of thing. I, I kind of expect him to just be and out of games and, and not really be hungry for it. But his personality is amazing. And like we saw today, uh, he he been out with injury problems. He's gone back home and there's obviously talk about leaving in January, will leave at the end of the year. <clears throat> But well, every game he gives for us, he gives a hundred percent, and it's it's a much more than than you can kind of label with some of the other players. And and he just he's a winner, and I, and United kind of lack a lot of winners like that. Um, and I think even like comparing to Ronaldo, I it maybe it's unfair to kick Ronaldo because he has scored a lot of goals this season. okay, it's a different a different uh, conversation entirely. But just comparing like their personalities today. Cabani comes on, he's involved in everything. His movement's amazing. Like you say, he, he has three big chances and probably a sharper Gavani maybe scores a hat-trick today and wins the game for us, but it's, yeah. it's, he's hunger and his, his shouting at players and encouraging players. And, and I just love that, that personality. And I think Sancho showed a little bit of that personality when he came on as well, and I think if we had more of that, as I know this kind of sounds very Sam Allardyce, and wishy-washy, but. It, it does go a long way in football to have that kind of mentality and not kind of look like the world's against you and, and kind of have that bite and just get yeah, back down on your lip a little bit and Cavani has that in abundance to me and that's why I I love him like and I think that's why United fans yeah. love him as well. F- fully and maybe agree. Want to see more of it. Yeah.
0: Him. Yeah. I mean, it's just a real shame he's just not fit often enough and seems to take a while to come back from from injuries. Otherwise, we'd have, we'd have yeah. You know, I, I think, I think we might have seen a something different from United this season. But uh, yeah, it, look, there's no whinging, no flappy arms. Just gets on with it. Still loves playing, doesn't he? You can see from the reaction when he scores that you know he he. As much as there's been talk about him potentially leaving, he might want to leave, and he's out obviously out of contract in the summer. I'd be amazed if he signs a new one. He's still giving everything, so yeah. United paid a lot, didn't pay anything in the fee, but paid a lot in agents' fees and he's on a mega salary. So there's a, there was a real cost to it. But, uh, you know, on the pitch, huge bonus if he's there. And, and, and I, I think for all the goals Ronaldo scored, and I don't want to sound like, you know, either a broken record or Jonathan Wilson here, he causes so many problems tactically for United that just another option is good. And if, if United can play two up front in this system, I think Cavani has the movement that Ronaldo probably doesn't, and we saw some of that in the second half. And you know, obviously he's got the goal, and and as you say, yeah, uh, could well definitely the one at the far post. I think probably should have scored. Very pundit's word that one, but uh, it's not a it's not a high XG chance. But you know, one that you kind of think you know, a bit sharper, and uh, yeah, a huge bonus for him to be back. I think.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird with that well, with the left foot as well because it probably doesn't come up on XG as probably it would have done if he would have just gone with his right which I think was probably the better choice there. Um, but I think it's probably just a little bit of sharpness and like you say about Ronaldo, he is a problem because he is scoring goals and he, he, feels like he is undroppable. I mean, his personality means it's undroppable and his, his legendary status means he is pretty much undroppable. And you wonder how much of a personality an effect on the dressing room it would have if. If Ronaldo was dropped and he kick up a force in it, that is obviously a massive problem with signing Ronaldo in the first place, obviously. But the fact he's still scoring goals, and you think with 20 minutes today, he's barely had the kick in the second half. But do we take Ronaldo off? Because you know, yeah. if a ball's going to go into the box, yeah. he scores. Like, it's, it's just Ronaldo. But... 20, t-
0: 35 touches, 29 passes, 22 of them successfully. Just wasn't involved that much. And I mean, there were times when uh, uh, Paul and I used to joke about this. Uh, like, I think there was one game in which Robin van Persie had 16 touches in one game. And we're like, okay, see, you know. <laughs> so, but Rav has got to have those touches. Got to be crucial ones. And and today there just wasn't anything. And and that's not all his fault because there's just nothing from central midfield, and there's nothing Rennie can do about that. unless this United dip into the transfer window this January, and who knows whether that's going to be, like, signed off on or not. But um, he's, he's tried something today in moving Bruno back into midfield that is interesting, I think. It is
1: interesting. And it
0: had an effect on United. It is it?
1: interesting. It kind of makes me think is that what he kind of sees for Pogba when he comes back and playing in that deep role of the two because Pogba would be able to play that role, obviously, effectively. You'd imagine it bring the same problems as, as Bruno does, especially with his lack of discipline in that two. But then it yep. would also yep. allow Bruno to play a bit further forward. But then in this four-two-two-two, where do you kind of play Bruno? Do you maybe play Bruno as part of the I two know, or top, and maybe kind of let him float around in that position behind the striker, or playing him on the left It'd be or better right? Than playing tough. out on the
0: left hand side. Mm. Yeah, it is. I mean, Papa is going to be interesting. I mean, he's back in training this week, and so maybe a couple of weeks we'll see him on the pitch again. And um, I, the part of me wondered whether he'd we'd yeah. ever see him again and whether United would try to take a fee in January I, I think with COVID going around they're just it's just not worth it and, and because you know you can get devastated and they may they may need the play I mean you know I always look at Pogba and and, 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 and you know I know that uh, if, if you delve into the world of social media it's just almost impossible to have a conversation about him but but I look at Pogba and I seen him playing for France, so just just how good he can be. I mean, he was great. Nations League semi final and final, he was just absolutely magnificent. And he played with Conte in one of those games and uh, Tushimeni in in the other. Um, and there he just had a, he had players that uh, are uh, doing the defensive work for him. But it's not like he's surrounded with players. Mm-hmm. He, Griezmann played a ten there, and uh, so you know he can clearly do it. There was a theory, I think I can't remember who. Put this together, but it was a piece in the Athletic uh, suggesting maybe the pace of the game in the Premier League's too much for him. I just, I just don't know if I buy that one either. I mean, he's pretty press resistant. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where where Ragni uses him because he will be able to get a progressive passer into central midfield, and in a game like today's, when you just definitely didn't need McFred when you have seventy percent of the ball. It's just yeah, it, like that's the kind of game you'd want him in the team to bring balance to the team.
1: And, 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 so, and, anyway. and all that kind of great stuff that Paul Bobber does bring, mm-hmm. but an enigma.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else on Newcastle? <laughs> Any? I mean, cause I felt we'd be more negative about it, but we've, uh, we've like dived off into other stuff. <laughs> I think that's, because, I I think mean, that's an was, avoidance. To, this was shit, wasn't
1: it? I think, yeah, think <laughs> and maybe is psychotherapy. Like we'd probably call that avoidance. Avoiding the, the the actual emotion yeah. there, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, to be to be honest, I didn't really think Varane was very good. Why well, he wasn't? Harry Maguire and Varane, no, were both absolutely awful. terrible. Um And it makes me fearful that Real Madrid got rid of Varane because he was on that. I like, I can't get that out of my head. But but. Oh, uh,
0: I, I, I hope not. I, I mean, he just he's just got to stay yeah. fit.
1: But yeah, he was yeah. not good today in uh, Harry Maguire. Um, well, Sam Maxwell had them both on, what well, it wasn't just toast. It was with all the trillions and everything. It was it, embarrassing. Like, it really was. It just, like, Maguire was just all over the place. So bad.
0: Yes. Now, normally Varane is better in those 1v1 defensive situations. Harry Maguire is not. <laughs> nope. He, he, yeah, he's just not. So I'm going to put that down to fitness since he's been out for a little while for Ann and, and sort of has chucked into I I, I wonder whether they, if, if Lindelof hadn't caught COVID, whether he'd have started today or not. He so just training. didn't look
1: sharp on the ball either. And, and he's usually silky smooth in possession of the ball. And it was his first touch yeah. was deserted and then his passing was deserted. And he looked a little, little bit shaky. I think a lot of the players just didn't look sharp today and I'm I'm hoping that that is a sharpness thing more than just their lack of ability because first touches passing simple things was just all over the place and it like I said it wasn't just for him it was McFred in midfield Rashford even Sancho sometimes when he came on and like it, it was just dire it's probably not even going too far to be honest it was really really bad really really bad
0: I was just going to say, it leaves United on 28 points, the same as West Ham, played a game less. Uh, Spurs on 29, only played 16 games. Arsenal 35, played two more games. So, I mean, it's looking seven points. You'd rather have the points in the bag, wouldn't you? I know that's a cliche um, than, than the games in hand. But for sure in COVID times, when you don't know what's going to happen with the fixtures, it could be playing twice in 48 hours and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's not looking good in our search for the fourth place trophy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I guess that stops. We finished with Newcastle. And then uh, a few few interesting things happened during the week that uh, were away from the actual game. Um, Ralph Ragnik came out and confirmed the story that had been around a couple of weeks ago about Anthony Martial wanting out. Said they, because Ragnik had denied it initially, and then said, yeah, they'd had a long conversation. And uh, he said, this is Martial said that after seven seasons at the club, uh, he wants to try something else, which is kind of interesting. I, I wonder if he wants to try taking a cut on his two hundred grand a week wages, which will. I think I don't know who's going to pick those
1: up. I think he's going to have to if he's going to get a move. It's it's really interesting with Martial because, I mean, I'd never I'd heard of him before he came to United, obviously, but like I I never really thought he was this amazing player waiting to to be unlocked for for whatever price we paid. And obviously he came with a lot of hate. Well, not hate, but a lot of tabloids rubbish about him. And obviously that, that yeah. it's obviously in the song. But like he hit the ground running and, and it was at a time when like Memphis came with a lot of fanfare. It was kind of like Marcel kind of slipped under the radar and Memphis came off the back of the 2014 World Cup and he was going to be bad half boy and blah, blah, blah. And M- Marcel just came in and showed him up. And that has been not the best of Marcial because we've obviously seen glints and, and quality. And I don't want to argue with Marcial FC on, on Twitter about this, but like, it's just, it's just not worked for him. And I think he just has to move. I think maybe just a refresher for his own sanity and his own yeah. career is is probably needed because it's just, it's just not worked for me. You know, like so many players, like it's not a slight on him. It's a very difficult club to make it. United is, and it's obviously you've seen someone like Angel De Maria, and he's gone on to better things. Falcao re-found himself when he left United. Like, it's it's been really frustrating for me for me United fans' perspective. But I think he's just got to go. And the thing is, I just don't. It's going to be really tough to move him on because we are at this point where all the super clubs have got these players, fringe players on massive wages. And no one in Europe can afford him. Who's going to buy him in England? Maybe No, I I
0: think United are going to end up doing what they did with Alexis Sanchez and they're going to have to subsidise the wages. And they're not going to get a big fee or they won't get a fee. It'll be a loan with a a hope that if they sign off on this, which might not given COVID and all of that. um, But if the club signs off on it, it'll be a loan and, and with a small loan fee. And and probably an option, not an obligation to buy, and it the the club won't be recouping the the kind of fee they've paid. I mean, because I think I think with all the add-ons because of the games he's played, they've they've spent over sixty million euros on him so far, plus the wages, and he's on this huge contract. And yeah, I, I guess I count myself as a like a semi martial fan, right? Because but it's the kind of. Uh, it's the bias. You 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 remember the highlights and whatever's most recent, and so I remember the highlights. Most recent, I've barely seen it. Yeah. Right? But uh, there have been some special moments from him. But it's just it's so rare. He's had two good seasons in those six and a half. The season before last, when he was pretty good, and his first season, and that's it. Yeah. I think, and, and yeah, you know, the evidence is is pretty overwhelming now that he's just not going to make it United and. And even if United will need a striker at some point because Cavani's gonna go in the summer, Ronaldo is knocking on well it's thirty seven soon, isn't he? Yeah. United
1: have just got um, this and, and thing as well, like they're awful of buying and selling players. Like it's another just thing of the glazes, like we we rarely ever get huge fees for players. I mean, it's not my money, so I'm not that bothered. But it yeah. is it is just terrible because we put these fringe players on huge wages and then we try and offload them and it just makes no sense to me. Again, like Liverpool get these huge fees for Jordan Ibe and Dominic yeah. Sankey and we can't even ship off Alexis
0: Sanchez. No, I mean this this is the it's coming back to our previous conversation about uh director of football. That's their job. That's yeah. that's their job. Liverpool's a good example of of uh buying and selling pretty smartly for the most part real madrid hardly spent any money in the last three years and just keep getting huge fees for fringe players and and a lot of that is about it's about planning it's about understanding your value in the market um it's about having the right connections and it's about someone having that kind of holistic view and it just haven't edward wood's been in charge i mean Ed Woodward's in charge for another as we record four days <coughs> Um, until he slips off into the night and his uh, highly paid consultancy position. <laughs> consultancy, uh, you know. And I just hope and pray that that this is the start of a, an era when we we can do something sensible. Maybe, maybe Murta and Judge and Arnold will uh, magic up a buyer for Martial and get a huge fee for him.
1: Yeah, and it, like I say, it is hard for Martial to to succeed at this club because you are going from. You go for Van Hall, who plays a very, very certain what style of football, who has a, a, a very interesting worldview and, and personality. And then you go to Mourinho, who you can't please. I don't know if he you, if you, like, created a career for his son or if he sorted out a life for his son, he still probably wouldn't like you. You've got Olive Solskjaer, who he could kill his son and it would still like you. And now you've got Ralph Ranney. It's, it's very, very difficult to a football for a footballer to kind of adapt to all that, all those different situations, the personalities and the, the tactical now and, and, a, and, a, and the tactical side of it. And if you think about United players who have actually been able to do that, who've actually been able to ride from manager to manager, I mean, you, you count in not many at all. I mean, even David De Gea wasn't even one of them. Phil
0: Jones, David De Gea. Um, well, David Hay has been under every manager, but well, as in, like he's not kind
1: of performed under every manager. Even he had like a no, time where no, yeah, he so, slipped under.
0: Yeah. Phil Jones has produced the same performance <laughs> yeah. under every manager. just yeah. been all the way through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that's right. And uh, that comes again with not having a kind of vision for the club. And I'm sure. And you know, um, maybe Ragnick is so brilliant that he can uh, he can do the the vision piece and the coaching piece. Maybe a touch wood. Yeah. Uh,
1: oh, that's the that's the dream.
0: Yeah, my my uh, cynicism levels are pretty high. Mine the, are
1: today, and like I said, I wanted to be positive on this show today. But after watching that Newcastle game, it it dissipated my me completely. So um, hopefully, yeah. after the next one, if we beat someone, then I might be like, yes, this is the dream. Ralph Rannick, Red Bull United.
0: All right, so we have got Burnley coming up next. That's going to be pretty. <laughs> At Turf Moor, uh, you know the 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 joke was always that they were good at Turf Moor, and they're not. Um, they're just not very good. Full stop. They're in the relegation zone now, and um, I don't know if it wasn't Sean Dyche, who's been in charge of Burnley forever on no resources and one of the smallest budgets in the league. He'd he'd be looking at the boot, wouldn't he? Yeah. But he won't because he's Sean Dyche. I assume, mm-hmm. although um, Burnley got a venture capital or private equity owners now, so. Yeah, the only thing they care about is the cash. That's the that's it's, the job, right? And and they've got to be worried if they go down, they're in real trouble financially. And they've got a massive pile up of games, haven't they? Because I think they've, they've missed—is it they've missed three now in a row? Three. Watford game was cancelled. Villa game was cancelled, and the Everton game was cancelled. I mean, so they have played since the twenty-second. No, the twelfth of December. And it looks like it's going ahead Thursday night, this one.
1: I don't know if it's every single time right. that's been the opposition. So it might be a case where actually they've been training the whole time and they're actually quite fresh going. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. that'll be the last thing we need. I mean, Burnley... Been- they're,
0: they're an odd side. I mean, they're just a throwback. Play two up front and, and on the direct side, you'd say, with, with Daesh... It feels like they've been playing the same back four of Louton, Tar- Tarkovsky, me and Taylor forever, yeah. right? I mean, didn't wasn't that back four together like 10 <laughs> yeah. years ago? You'd
1: hope that they kind of play into Maguire's hands with pumping long balls into the box because, I mean, at least they're kind of not running at him and and making him look like a clown.
0: Definitely would, one Cornet's a bit... Uh, well, is, um a bit really? more interesting, isn't he? You know, he's um, a bit more dynamic than that. If he plays... I'm not sure if he's fit or not, but uh, feels very undyed. Like um, I assume he is. Yeah, very, very. I was really confused about that one because he'd spent the previous season playing at left back, and c- clearly earlier in his career he was more of a forward. But it's, it's worked out well for him and and Burnley. It's it's not doing much for their their goal scoring outside of him. I mean, they got 14 in 15 games this season. I mean, they've got a lot of games in hand, which is part of the reason why they're so down there. But you, you can't, you know. One win all season for Burnley. It it gets to the point where you can't turn that kind of form around. Yeah, that is
1: crazy. But I mean, we've just played the two other bottom two teams in the last two games and looked very young.
0: Made them look competent, both of them. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
1: so I'm not going to write them off too much at the moment.
0: Yeah, no, I'd like to write them off. There's a few other off words I'd like to say to Sean Dyche. I just don't like him, and I don't like Burnley, and I don't like Burnley's fans, so there's three <laughs> reasons.
1: He broke a friend of a friend's leg, who used to play for Knott's County um, a long, a long okay. time ago when he was playing, so he could maybe use that. Uh, you could say, like, it's a friend of a friend of a friend. Uh, Steve Scoffin ended, yeah, yeah. ended his I mean, career. I don't
0: care how many times removed yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, if that many times removed, I pro- yeah, I probably do know him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's a... Friend Of a friend of a friend, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so this is a, this is old Trafford, not Turf Moor. I, I think I said Turf Moor, didn't I? So, old Trafford, and on Thursday, I think, I think I'm think i right in saying I just saw the news today. No no restrictions being brought in at least before the new year, so it'll be a full old Trafford at least. Might be the last time, yeah,
1: for a while, we'll maybe. I guess with, with New Year's, call we not? They maybe be wanting good last one, hurrah, with as many Covid cases into the ether as possible but
0: exactly
1: yeah you never know this government to be honest you don't know you don't know what they're planning
0: no no i mean exactly i mean there's been a lot of talk about like circuit breakers I, I kind of thought they uh in football that is they they're talking about the wrong thing because the, the concept as i understood it was that you you have some kind of severe lockdown in order to stop the spread but that that's not really the problem in football and unless like crowds our super spreader events and we haven't seen the data on that one, but the problem with the Premier League mostly has been, um, the players getting it 103 cases this week. So yeah, she's a significant proportion of Premier League playing stock.
1: Yeah. And I guess you see the, like the vaccination percentage of of the league and it is really low compared to, to in Serie A and La Liga and stuff. But I guess a lot of it is also just right. down to the fact that there are a lot of cases in the country and... We're not really doing anything to prevent those cases being like widened, I guess. And I feel like I know a load of people who have got it this time, and I didn't know them in, I didn't really come yeah. across that many people in, in the first and second of third lockdowns, but this time it was everyone seems to have it almost like, but like there are kind of positives in to, from to take from the negatives as well. Like it doesn't seem like hospitalizations are going too high at this point. I hope it's not just a lag, like there's going to be a lag. and So I guess like the government, to be fair to them, which I don't really always want to be fair to them, maybe I'll see in that data and maybe there is reason for to not to go crazy with it. But obviously it's a very complicated and yeah. fucks moving situation, isn't it? It's very, very difficult.
0: Yeah, I and mean, we'll see with football. I mean, they, they, the Premier League meeting last week, the clubs basically voted just to carry on. And the the it appears to be the protocol is that if you have 14 fit players plus a goalkeeper, that the game is going to be on and you'd have to prove that you don't have that many. I mean, um, Newcastle today only had eight players on the bench and United apparently could have only have fielded seven in the game that was called off against Brighton. So, uh, if that's the protocol and it's well understood, well, that's it. They'll they'll put the games on, and they, we'll see on crowds and whether the government takes action or not. But it doesn't seem like it. I mean, in Scotland they're 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 uh, being more restrictive. In Wales they've banned all crowds, uh, In France they've they're just moving to a maximum of five thousand spectators. Um, in Wales it gets some weird weird ones. I was, I was just looking um, read a piece about Chester. So Chester I've seen in England playing England. Um, playing in the National League, right? But their ground is actually in oh, Wales. Wow. And so there's some debate about exactly under what authority are they playing or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely get some weird situations. And Rangnick, Rangnick brought it up this week, actually, in his press conference. He said, that, uh, he said that they're above average, the Premier League average for vaccinations, and that they will take it into consideration when thinking about bringing players in. And I'm not surprised. Because you know wh- whatever the politics of this, it's just a risk. And if if they're going to spend, if you're going to spend millions on an asset who's not available, either through illness or protocol, then then of course, you, of course, clubs are going to take you into consideration.
1: Yeah, I think Klopp said similar as well. Didn't he? I think Randy and Klopp are quite aligned with this. And it it is it is a real difficult one because like you can, you can in certain part of you can understand like. If you're a footballer and you have like a bad side effect to the, to the vaccination, like it would be, it feels like you shoot yourself in the your, in, your, in the foot for doing it. But then,
0: yeah. on the
1: flip side, is the vaccination reaction going to be any worse? Is it going to be any worse than if you actually got COVID? Very, very unlikely.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the data. No. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, it's not. But like. Yeah. It, Joshua Kimmich, I thought, oh, was kind yeah. of interesting because he was a, a very prominent sort of basically anti-vaxxer or, or vaccine retic- reticent, let's be fair to him. And he had uh, basically a long form of long COVID and and some problems with his lungs. And so now he's sort of been transformed into a campaign. I know that... the
1: irony of that almost feels like it was a, like a PR stunt, like it was so like stark. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, that was a, a huge win for, for the vaccine. Um, the vaccine crowd, and hopefully that is just going to be, and hopefully like Ranić goes in there, and, and if he's he is very very forthright with it, and uh, like the same way Klopp is, and I think pretty much every Liverpool player is is vaccinated by workhouse. and hopefully Ranić does go in there and says that is going to be a thing for United, because the last thing we need is these yeah. players dropping out week after week, right? And especially when they're right. very fixtures. Yeah, and at, the,
0: Leeds um the club doctor there has been fairly uh, interested should we put it right so he's been very informational with the players yeah i think, I think was it apparently? Leeds or
1: another club like their owners had been very it might have been leicester or, or one of the clubs that are owned by far east consortium they their the ownership and stuff were were so kind of hot on this uh, disease i know his wolves right. it was wolves in Jan, in january of the wolves, first year right. when it came around they were so hot on it they had a meeting with the with the with the team and the wolves have got a very really high vaccination rate because they've kind of known about this for so long, and they kind of haven't yes. let the misinformation dispersed within within the team and kind of create a vacuum for this kind of misinformation to just be spread around the the football club. Whereas with United, has someone really been that authority to, to kind of have sit the players down like that? can I mean, not to short parallels but it feels like almost symptomatic of the way that you know it are at the moment kind of such a rebel in in on, on the pitch and it maybe is a, it's a case of with with the players in the vaccination rate as well but that is obviously a new yeah. speculation
0: yeah. well anyway looks like the game's going ahead thursday so um touch wood anyway <laughs> uh- I'm not going to ask you for a prediction. We did the 11 years of predictions, so and uh, we were we were <laughs> crap. So yeah, I can I I can drop New Era. I can <laughs> drop that. I'm not going to predict a flowing performance from United. I mean, Burnley are good at at least breaking up and spoiling spoiling the game. So I, I'm sure they'll do that. I don't think it's going to be pretty as a result. And and you know the the owners will be on United to United to attack and United to take the game. And this this is where. United have had real problems and try and connect all of the pieces of the team yeah. we'll see in the three days whether is able to work some of that magic yeah
1: it'd be nice to just get some confidence going in the team as well get a couple of early goals and get the players kind of buying into to the manager maybe the, the pattern of play a little bit and, and just finding confidence for themselves as well because that is from all appearances today and that seems to be severely lacking so yeah a couple of early goals and then yeah turn off watching John and maybe Next time I got around I'll be a little bit more positive as all well, because I feel like I'm very, very negative today, so <laughs> yeah. apologies all around. It's been hard to to be positive after that week. It
0: was, look, it was a hard watch today. I mean, it was just a hard watch. We were chatting on uh, WhatsApp. I was with uh, the old crowd and, the, and a couple of other groups, and it's just it's just really hard to stay positive about it. So, just one of those games, and there's been a lot this season, so... Uh, let's just say we're playing one of the worst teams in the country in the league coming up. Good opportunity to to get a win. Um, depending on how things shake out, I mean, you know, you know, it could end up fifth after the next round of games. Exciting! That's what we're all about. Yes, this club, Europa League, chasing fifth. All righty, Tom. Well, I guess there's, uh, that's it from us. And if there's anything else from you, and uh, I mean, I think uh, I think we're scheduled to chat again in um, a week's time or so um something like that perfect pleasure thank you um been great having you on and here's to a few more and a few more wins please you know bring 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 the good yeah that'd be great